great to be in the house of God, isn't it? And I just did the beginning of our first service this morning. I was just thinking about the fact that God has provided so much for each of us. The Bible says that he's prepared a table for us. And God's table is never empty. There's no lack in Jesus. There's no lack in the provision of God for us. But often it means that we've got to stop playing to come and eat at the table. Have you ever remembered when you were a little child perhaps and your parent would call you because you were busy, too busy playing to want to eat? And your parent would say, stop playing and come and have your dinner. Well, sometimes it can be like that for us as Christians. We get so sidetracked playing with other things that sometimes we don't even realize how hungry we are. So I want to encourage you to feast on the word of God, to feast in his provisions for your life, because he'll never leave you hungry. He'll never leave you lacking. But God's abundance is there to nourish us. His word of God is there to encourage us, to strengthen us. And certainly as I've been preparing for this message, I know I just feel like I feasted. I feel like I feasted and I'm bursting with excitement. And he wants that for each one of us every day, to feast in his presence, to be bursting with excitement. So I want to just encourage you with that at the outset of this morning's message. You may be seated. You know, over lockdown, there were lots of things that we weren't able to do at the beginning, wasn't there? And we were able to go to the supermarkets and they said we could exercise. Now, as you know um, from me telling you in the past, I'm not the great exerciser. I can find other things to do with my time. But because they said we could exercise, I felt I wanted to exercise my right to exercise, along with most people in Britain. So for us, as a family, every day we would decide to go out for a walk. And we live in Pontypool, right at the top of um, a mountain. And so when we would go out for our walk, we found this one, um, one walk to go on. And it was really quite tough at the beginning. In fact, Sienna named the beginning part of the walk Doom Hill because that's a bit like what it was. It was really, really steep for the first 10 minutes of walking and I was puffing and panting. But then we reached the top and we were able to just walk on the flat. I like flat. I gotta say, I like flat. I like not the. <gasps> I like just to be able to stroll and meander. And so when we did this walk over walk lockdown, I really enjoyed it. It was just under four miles and it was brilliant. Did the hard bit, then you're on the flat plane sailing. Well, it came to September and we were about to go into another lockdown, they were saying. And it was a beautiful day this one Saturday. And I said to the family, why don't we walk up Penavan? And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we could walk up Penavan. So they were all for it. So I said, oh, we'll go to Tesco, we'll buy a meal deal, and we will go to Penavan and walk. So we got all our food, we set off in the car, we arrived in the car park, and we were excited. And then I started to walk. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like, 
where does the plateau come? This is just like straight up from like here to the top of the mountain. And in my mind, I wasn't prepared for that. I was hoping for a little bit of a trek, even though I know a mountain doesn't stop in plateau. In my mind, I hadn't calculated it. It was a fuzzy feeling. Walking Penavan sounded lovely. And the reality hit me that actually this is like like all the way like there's no kind of flat to kind of like be nice and meandering it's just a tough slog and I have to say I hadn't even left the car park before the the realization of what was ahead of me was about to come bursting in and I found it tough not physically, because we'd, well, we'd walked across the car park, but I was already finding it tough in my mind because I thought, oh my gosh, this is like hours of like a hill. This is like hard. And I'm like, oh gosh. And the kids and the thing is like Dave and the kids, they're all like super fit and they're really strong mentally and like I'm not. So I was like, they're, come on mum. And they're like going and I'm like, oh God. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you're going to just have to help me here. And I was just like, like, literally, we've maybe walked like from here to the back of the hall. And I'm like ready to give up. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, no, I can do this. No, I can do this. But there was one thing that helped me as we began to summit. If you can say summit for Panavan, I don't know. But we'll summiting Panavan. There was one thing that helped me keep going. My Tesco's meal deal. The thought of eating food at the top of the hill or on my breaks helped me go. It gave me hope. I knew I had chocolate in my bag. I knew I had crisps in my bag. I knew that I had my wrap in my bag. And it was at those moments of giving up where I would just think, just a few steps further, Faye, and we're going to have that digestive. Just a few steps further and we're going to have that sweet. Come on, when we get to the top, we're going to bring Break out that wrap and you're going to enjoy it with everything else and the crisps. And it was at that point I managed to tap into hope that enabled me to get to the top of Penavan, not for the view. The view was lovely, but the view had gave me no hope whatsoever. I was more than happy. Actually, I said to Dave at one point, I said, just leave me here with the bag of food. <laughs> you carry on with the kids. I'm more than happy. There's lovely views at this low plane. I'm, I'm not looking for the view, but I did, I did think, oh, no, come on, Faye. You can't be the only one in the family to stay down here. Come on, go to the top, eat your lunch with the family. But I tapped into hope in the form of food when I was going at Penavan. Now, our life is likened to a journey. In fact, the Bible says our life is likened to a race. And the thing that you discover about our life here on earth is there is no certainties as to what's going to happen. We can plan, we can make our preparations, but the reality is when we step out of this building today, we really have no certainty as to what's going to happen. So what do we do in life when our journey is uncertain, where there are no certainties, how can we ensure that we navigate well. How can we ensure to get through? Because the Bible says that we're to run the race with endurance. How can we get to the finish line when things can be so unexpected? I tell you how we can do that. We can do that through hope. Hope 
is the thing that enables us as Christians to get to the other side. Now, I'm sure if you were to listen and analyze the conversations that you have with your family, with your colleagues, with your school friends, we talk quite a lot about hope on a daily basis. Things like, oh, I hope it doesn't rain today, or oh, I hope they win the race, or even I hope I get a bargain when I go shopping. Those kind of things we're used to saying a lot. But do you know what? That hope, the hope that we're referring to there, is kind of a hope in a negative sense. In one sense, you're saying you hope meaning, oh, I hope nothing bad happens. That's what you're saying. And that hope is like a colloquial hope. But that's not the hope that we've been talking about over recent weeks. Bible hope is very different to I hope it doesn't rain. Bible hope is the extremely favorable and confident expectation that something good is going to happen. Many people who haven't yet accepted Jesus into their lives may see of us talking about Bible hope and they may see it as some kind of pie in the sky theory, some kind of escapist mentality that is far removed from the realities of hope. But actually, for the believer, everything that we hope in is certain. Everything that we hope for is a reality. It's not like I hope I win the race. This is an assurance. It is something that we can be confident in because it's already here. And there's two aspects to biblical hope. The first aspect is we can have hope for eternity based on what Jesus has done through his birth, death, and resurrection. He has already secured a future for us in heaven. It says this in 1 Peter 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay and through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see what a powerful hope that we have that our future is secure and this is something that the society in which we live in cannot give and they don't talk about often because the reality is outside of Jesus, there is no security for the future. So what happens in the world and culture in which we live is we try to pack everything in to this period in our lives, this time on earth, and we try to extract everything we can because we think this is it. But for the Christian, this isn't our final destination. Our end destination is already secured. Jesus has already gone to the summit. He's already conquered death and the grave. And he says, here I am here. And let me tell you, your inheritance is amazing. Let me tell you from where I'm standing, you've got great things to come. 
eternity. And this hope of eternity in the life of the Christian is powerful. It keeps us buoyant in the difficulties of life. It keeps us strong when we're uncertain of what the future holds. Because our end destination isn't here. Our end destination is here. And the inheritance and the provision exceeds our expectation. So we have a hope secured in our future because of what Jesus has done. And we can be confident that we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. And the second thing that we can have hope for is we can have hope as we live our lives on earth today. We have hope for the future, but as we live daily, we can have hope because when Jesus laid down his life for us, he promised us salvation. And in John 10, 10, it says, I have come that you may have life and that life may ha- um, you may have it more abundantly. Jesus has laid down his life so that our security and our future is secured, but also that we can find abundant life in the life that we live here on earth. His salvation encompasses everything for us. And I love what Psalm 103 says, because if you like, it's a great scripture that describes this salvation experience for us as we live here on earth. And it says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives my sins. He heals my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagle. Wow, what a salvation package that we have been gifted as a result of what Jesus has done for us. We have that. This is assurance. This isn't, oh God, I wonder if you are going to make it to heaven. I wonder if you are going to overcome the death and grave. Oh Lord, what if you don't do what you said that you'll do? Oh, I don't know whether I can hope. No, I want to let you know today, this isn't the I hope it's not going to rain kind of hope. Jesus has already accomplished everything. He's already done it. He has achieved it. So we have confidence that everything that he said that he's provided for us is ours to hope in and hope for as we go through our daily lives. We, he has accomplished everything. So if he's accomplished everything, is there anything that we need to do? Well, what I've discovered is that hope is a choice. God doesn't force us to do anything. When we accepted Jesus into our lives, he didn't turn us into robots that he mind-controlled. We still have free choice in everything that we do. And just like he doesn't railroad anybody to accepting him, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to salvation. When we made a choice to become a Christian, it was exactly that. It was 
our choice. Romans 10.9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We all came to the point of decision regarding accepting Jesus and our salvation. And now we also have a decision to make regarding the way that we walk and the fact that we have to choose to walk in hope. God's done it. He's achieved it all. He's waiting on the other side of eternity next to the right, in the right hands of the Father. And he says, look what I've achieved. But we have a choice to decide to walk in hope every day. He's not going to do that for us. We have to do that for ourselves. We have to make the decision. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, I set before you life and death. Choose life. The Bible says... I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my lips. You know, you do have a choice, though, whether you bless the Lord at all times. The Bible instructs us to do that, and the blessings are evident through the Bible as to what happens when we choose to praise, especially when we choose to praise in our prison, especially choosing to praise when things don't look great. But at the end of the day, if we don't praise... God says, well, the rocks will cry out, but he won't force you to praise. That's our choice. The Bible says that we're to love our neighbor. The great command. But he's not going to force us to love our neighbor. We make the choice to love our neighbor. So hope is a choice. Our Christian walk is a choice. And my discovery in my life is when I align my decisions to what the Bible says, that's when I really flourish. So when we align our hope in his promises, I can say from my life that we're going to flourish. Do you know Christians should be the most buoyant people that there are? We've got so much to be hopeful for. Even if things are tough here on earth, even if things don't work out the way that we want, even if there is sickness in our bodies, even if we did get made redundant, even if we did make wrong choices, we're not devoid of hope. We still have a hope in a redeeming God, a God of second chances. And even if things are tough here, we've got so much to look forward to. So as a child of God, we should be the life and soul of any party, anywhere we go. We've got no reason to be downcast because we've got so much to hope for and so much to hope in. And David said in the Psalms, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Hope in the Lord. But we have to align ourselves and we have to choose to hope in God. So this morning, I want us to look at some aspects of hope that I think are really powerful as we try to walk and choose to walk in hope in our daily lives. The first thing I want to say about hope is that hope gives us perspective. It does cause us to look beyond the here and now. 
It keeps us looking forward. It keeps us anticipating. It keeps us expecting. It keeps us moving through. It keeps us walking. We never pitch our tent. We're always going forward knowing that there's great things ahead of us. And we really get to see this role modeled through the life of Jesus. Hope gives us perspective. What Jesus was going to endure when he freely gave his life for us was immense. This wasn't just like a flick of the switch, there we go, it's done. No, Jesus was going to go through so much for you and I to the point that he said, if this cup could pass by me, let it go. But he said, nevertheless, be it done according to your will. Jesus knew he was going to walk a hard road, but he chose to look beyond what he was about to experience because he had you and I in mind. Hebrews 12 says this about Jesus, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy Awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You see, at any moment Jesus could have given up, and quite rightly so. But it was, he looked forward to the future and realized if he laid his life down, we'd find life. The Bible says he's the forerunner. He went before us and he secured it all so that you and I could find life in Jesus. You see, Jesus' hope was firmly placed at what would be accomplished by his gruesome death. And that is what gave him joy. It doesn't just say for what was go it doesn't just say for what was awaiting him he endured the cross no he says the joy that was awaiting him for the joy that was awaiting him he endured the cross now think about it leading up to his death jesus was betrayed by judas he was denied by peter he had lies and false accusations made against him he was tortured at the hands of soldiers he was jeered and mocked at by onlookers and as he hung and said his last breath on the cross he said father father why have you forsaken me As the sins of the world were poured onto his shoulders, he experienced things that we will never experience. Yet, because of the joy that was before him, he was able to endure. And for us, that should give us great 
comfort. We get to follow in Jesus' example. Jesus had to walk a hard walk himself. And he says, if I can do it, you can do it. And when you're going through tough things, don't keep your eyes focused on the things that you're in because you'll crumble. No, we've got to look ahead. We've got to keep focusing on the future and our hope, which is secured in us. Because hope gives us perspective. Colossians 3.1 says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. We often forget what's ahead of us and we get consumed by the here and now. And that's the danger. And the Bible knows it's the danger of human nature, which is why... It says, set your eyes on things above. Set your eyes in things of heaven. Don't get consumed in the here and now. Don't get paralyzed by what's going on. Yes, you may endure things. Yes, it may be tough. But hey, you can have a buoyancy in your heart and you can have hope in your heart that will keep you moving through because we've got perspective. Romans 12, 12 says this, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Rejoice in our confident hope. That's how we keep perspective. Keep rejoicing in all that God has prepared for us and all that he has promised for us. So hope gives us perspective. The second thing that hope does is hope gives us confidence to live well. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we no longer wander around in darkness, but we walk in light. John 12 verse 46 says this, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes and trusts in me, a savior, all those who anchor their hope in me and rely on the truth of my message will not continue to live in darkness. We as followers and believers of Jesus who choose to place our faith and trust in him, we walk in the light. We have confidence because we know what's ahead. We're not bumbling around wondering. No, we've got assurance. And because of that assurance, it changes the way we react to the circumstances that we face in life. We can appropriate every single thing that the Bible says for our actions and behavior because God said we can do it. It's not just, oh, love one another when things are going good. It's like, no, love your enemies too. We are able to, because of the hope that we find in Jesus, we are able to not crack under 
hard circumstances. We don't need to crack under difficulty because we can choose to follow what Jesus has set out for us. We can display and show people how we can walk like followers of Christ despite overwhelming circumstances. You know, in the early church, they endured terrible persecution. Dave's mentioned it at the, at the hands of the Roman Empire, at the hands of Nero. They, they went through awful things. Christians were being used as human torches. They would light them and line up the palace walkways with Christians burning on fire. They would drag and arrest families and children who wouldn't denounce their Jesus and they would use them as entertainment as they threw them into stadiums packed with onlookers jeering at them as they wanted to watch lions rip them arm by arm. As they watched all of that, and do you know what? Yet in the midst of persecution, the gospel began reaching far and wide. Do you know why? Because in the midst of that lion's pit, in the midst of everything, the Christians began to sing hymns. It's noted that they were singing hymns to their God in the midst of death, in the midst of terrible persecution. They weren't screaming, why, why? No, they were fixed their eyes on Jesus. He was their confidence. They knew where they were going. They began to sing hymns. They began to sing songs of praise. And not only that, they began to ask to pray for those who were persecuting them. They chose to say, can we pray for you? This may be my last day on earth, but can we pray for you? That is the confidence that we have as believers, that we can live well regardless of the circumstances that we face based on the hope that we have in him. If we keep this hope before us, it changes the way we act in situations and it allows the people around us to see the hope of glory in us. We diffuse the presence of Jesus wherever we go. And this light that we get as a result of asking Jesus into our lives gets dispensed as we allow him to help us and as we focus our hope on him. So I want to encourage you, hope will give you confidence to live well. Hope will give you confidence to react well in situations because we know the end of the game. We know where we're going. We've got nothing to fear. Jesus has accomplished it all and it's through that that we live well. Hope also gives us courage. It changes the way that we live our lives because we get to believe in the promises of God for here and now. We've got assurance of where we're going, but God's promises are for today. His salvation is here and available for us today. With Christ, he gives us an identity. With Christ, he shows us what we're called to and why we're here. We are children of God. He has 
given us so much. And because he's given us so much, we can have courage that with every step that we take, God is for us. He's not against us. He is with us and it changes the way that we think and act because we're not thinking, oh, if I do this, will God? No, he's, he's already said he's there. He's there in the future. He's here now. He's with us. So it gives us courage to step out and to believe the promises of God for our lives. You know, sometimes because of what's gone on in our past, we find it difficult to hope. Sometimes we say, well, if I don't hope for anything, then I won't be disappointed when it doesn't happen. But I want to encourage you today. If you find yourself in that place, I want to encourage you to not allow your past or the things that have happened in your past rob you of your future. When we place our faith and trust in him, he says, behold, all things have gone and all things are made new. When you accepted Jesus into your life, you walked into a new future. And sometimes when we're even Christians, we do things wrong. And because of that, we think, all oh, right, I just won't hope I messed up. But I want to encourage you. We have to hope in Jesus. He wants us to hope. He's given us an amazing inheritance I guarantee you, if you had three million pounds in the bank, you would live your life each day differently to than if you had 10 pounds in the bank. Based on what you knew was in your bank account would change the way that you acted. It would change the way that you would think around things. Well, do you know what? Through Jesus, we've been given an unlimited bank account, an amazing inheritance. So he doesn't want us to walk around like one pound people when we've been given millions. He says, no. He says, you've got so much to live for. You've got so much to hope in on earth now. Don't shrink my hope down to your level of experience, but instead choose to connect yourself. Choose to focus in hope and say, well, God, if your word says it, then I want it for my life. I want healing. I want deliverance. I want your protection. I want your salvation. I want your redemption. I want everything that you have for me, and I'm not going to let go until I see it, because my God is a million pounds God. He's more than that, and he's not a one pound God. He doesn't bring us to a table with no food. He brings us to a table to feast on it. And sometimes we walk around with our heads down, focused on the here and now, and we act like we've got nothing. And we've got everything at our disposal. But we've just got to choose. We've got to choose. And sometimes that means we've just got to get over ourselves. Sometimes we place far too much authority on who we are, what we've done, what we've done wrong, what the other people have done wrong, and we don't let ourselves go any further because we're so focused in that. Well, God says he's more than enough. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's not looking for a 
us to bring anything to the table. He says, what I've got is more than enough. All I'm asking you to do is draw up the seat, dine, and say, Lord, I'm going to hope in you. So I want to encourage you. Hope in the promises of God. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for for your family? What are you hoping for for your future? What are you hoping for for your life? We as Christians should be filled with hope. We should be filled with hope for our futures because that's what God's got promised for us. And it's exciting. Yes, it's not always easy, but we don't let go of those promises. We hold on to them until we see them. We hold on. We keep on believing. His hope gives us courage to do that. And we'll be amazed with what God will do with our lives if we will hope in him and in him alone. And the last thing I want to say about hope is that God's hope gives us protection. Recently, I read a scripture from Zechariah and it blew my mind. And it says this, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice to you. When Zechariah was writing this, the children of Israel were just returning from exile and there wasn't a lot great to say about things. They'd been ravaged. Their lives didn't have a lot to go before with. But Zechariah said, return to your fortress. And as he was saying that, you prisoners of hope, he was getting the children of Israel to not focus on the here and now, but to focus their minds on the coming king to focus their minds on what Jesus was going to do when he came to earth. Do you know what? For the children of Israel, they're not in the privileged position that we are. We know what Jesus has already done. It's already written in history. But Zechariah was saying, we want you to hope in this coming king. Zechariah 9 says this, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Israel. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious yet he is humble riding on a donkey riding on a donkey's colt Zechariah was getting the children of Israel to think towards their coming king and in doing that he says return to your fortress O prisoners of hope when we are focused on hope we when we see what we know that God is doing it returns us to a fortress when I read this, I thought about that. It doesn't say return to your hovel or return to your dungeon. No, when we live and lock our lives in hope, it says we're returning to a fortress. Let me read you some dictionary versions or meanings of what a fortress is. It is a well-protected place, difficult for enemies to enter. It's a place of exceptional security. It's a place or source of refuge and support. And it is a defensive wall built to strengthen a place against attack. That is what a fortress is. When we place our hope in Jesus, he is a defensive wall that supports us. He's a refuge for us. We know the scripture 
scripture well in Proverbs 18, don't we? It says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run into him and are safe. When we lock ourselves in hope, we're not locking ourselves in a hovel. We're locking ourselves in a fortress to be looked at and people to behold and go, wow. We are safe when we lock ourselves in hope. I was thinking about prisons. I don't have a lot of experience, but there's a few things that I've deduced about a prison. Number one, you can only be in one prison at any one time. What prison do we want to choose to be in? We can be prisoners of hope. Perhaps we may find ourselves prisoners of our past, prisoners of fear, prisoners of negativity. But you can only be in one prison. And I get excited to think that we can choose to be locked up in hope. God wants us locked up in hope. And when we lock ourselves in hope, we remove ourselves from any other prison. If you don't want to be a prisoner of your past, if you don't want to be a prisoner of fear, if you don't want to be a prisoner of your negativity, lock yourself in hope. Lock yourself in Jesus and his promises for you. The other thing that I've noticed about prisons is that nobody can come in without permission and you can't go out either unless somebody chooses to let you out. How powerful is that for our lives? When we choose to lock ourselves in hope, fear may come knocking on the door and say, can I come in? And we say, no, you can't come in fear because I'm in my prison of hope and you have got no right to enter because I'm not giving you permission. Because my God says he's not given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I am choosing to anchor myself in this hope. I'm not allowing fear to come in. I'm not allowing my past to come in and try and remind me of everything. No, I'm not giving you permission. I am keeping myself here locked up in hope. So I encourage you on a daily basis. This is not a, like you do it once and that's it forever. The Bible walk is a walk daily, but every day choose to lock yourself into hope. Every day, choose to lock yourselves into the promises of God for your life. Every day, choose to focus on everything that he has provided through his son, Jesus, and what his promises are for the here and now. And I love that it says that when we do that, he'll restore us. When we lock ourselves in hope, there's restoration. Jesus wants us restored. He wants us whole. We should be the most contented, joyful people filled with peace that walk this planet. And it's just choosing to walk and live in hope. So I want to encourage you today to make a decision to walk in hope every day. God's not going to force you to do it. 
but he's already provided everything. He's given us a great inheritance. And it would be such a shame if we walked far short of what he'd planned for us because of a decision. So let's choose to walk in hope. Let's choose to align our will with his will. And when we walk in hope, we give get perspective. We get confidence. We get courage. And we get protection. And the reason why we're here is because there's a whole lot of people outside of this building that need that hope that we have. Only Jesus knows, or only God knows, when he's going to call quits on this whole thing. And our job now, now that we've got God as our source, is to walk that. Because when we walk it, we diffuse it to other people. And they say, they got something different. How can they go through what they're going through with a buoyancy of heart, with joy in their hearts? It's because of hope. Not hope in myself, but hope in Jesus. You know, in this season now, everything that our world has put their hope in is shaking. Money, success, great medicines, everything that our world has placed its focus on and its hope in is shaking and crumbling. And that means a lot of people are really scared about their future because they realize they've got no answers with their degrees or their great jobs for the fear that's inside of them because they don't know what, where they're going when they die. There's a lot of people feeling very hopeless at the moment because of things they've placed their trust in are crumbling. But we place our trust on Jesus, the solid rock, who does not shake, who does not crumble. He's the anchor of our souls. Today you may be here and maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life and you feel as if you've been building your life on the sand and the waves are coming and everything that you've worked for, everything that you've lived for has just been washed into the sea and you feel like, where am I going? What hope have I got? This morning, I want to invite you to make Jesus the source of your hope. I want to invite you to anchor your life into Jesus, who is the solid rock. And storms come, but he stays so constant. You may be here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you say, I need, I need hope. Yeah, you do. I need hope. And his name is Jesus. So this morning, I want to invite you to ask Jesus into your hearts if you haven't done it before. It's the best decision you will ever make. All you have to do is say a simple prayer from your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I can't do life without you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for dying for my sins. I need you to come into my life and give me hope to give me hope for my future.
an assurance of where my life will be spent when I walk from this earth and breathe my last breath. I want my life anchored into you. If you prayed that prayer in the building today, on your way out, we'd love to chat with you, give you a Bible, storybook, with testimonies of people that have found Jesus for themselves. And if you're watching online, please let us know because we'd love to be in touch to encourage you and to send you a Bible. But be blessed, church. Have a great week. And let's choose to anchor ourselves into hope. <music>